Welcome, everybody, to episode 11 of the Bullseye Podcast. I am Ryan. I'm joined by Carl, Phil, and Tyler. Hello. This is Ryan's second attempt at an intro. Listen, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to get through it one way or the other. We are joined by our special guest, uh, David Estes, uh, former uh, long snapper for the Clemson Tigers 2016 National Championship team. Uh, that championship game happened to be held at Raymond James Stadium. How's everybody doing? Hey guys, glad to have y'all on. Glad to be on here with y'all. <laughs> oh, damn, it. he just took the show over. <laughs> My show now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> next next, on, next job, on, guys. He is the national champion. This next is also very true. Look, we have we have a hard time disputing that. Hey, look look on the bright side. He's a guy who actually knows how to win at Raymond James. <laughs> oh, this is true. Okay, um, this is the episode where where Phil turns heel on the Bulls. Um, <laughs> Phil coming in hot early. Yeah. Un- Listen, he goes to the playoffs once and immediately shits on every other team he likes. Ah. Uh. But well, it, it's just a beautiful day when you can just sit back, put your feet up, and watch football with no stress whatsoever. And that's what I get to yep. do the next two weeks. Until Josh Allen breaks his leg. Oof. I will end you. You're going to end Carl Ouch. because Josh Allen's a bad quarterback? Yes. This is, listen, this is not the Bill's eye Yeah, not the, not the, not the, not the, not the, <laughs> not the Phil's <laughs> It's not the Phil's Eye Podcast. It's not the Bill's Eye Podcast. It's the Bull's Eye Podcast. It's the Bull's Eye Podcast. Sorry, so, I've been over this, guys. Wow, we are so someone, early. Someone tell me what happened this week uh, with USF. Been in, a, been in a little bit of a news a news, uh, news lull after we hired our, our head coach and Jeff Scott. Well, um, first thing first that I think we need to get out of the way. Uh, we learned, I believe... On Monday, might have been Sunday. I have also not been paying close close attention to the news, but we learned that there will be no assistant coaches held on to. Everyone got let go from that pro- from uh, USF, including Augie, who uh, no. just straight up, yeah he he straight up went on Twitter is like yeah so I got fired from USF guys. USF still my home, but I got fired. Listen, they should hire him back as the athletic director. <laughs> I definitely wouldn't hate it if they went ahead and rehired Augie in a different in a different spot, and they're just cleaning out right now and saying, "All right, we're we're starting fresh." Everyone, look if you if you got fired, you can still like interview for a position or whatever, but there's no guarantee for when I give everyone an open opportunity, all that fun stuff. But I also don't blame them for cleaning out every literally everything. And like we were talking about last week with Brooks Larkin, that augie has a great mind for football and he's going to make a great coordinator somewhere at least to start out he'll probably make a great head coach one day as well but he needs to get to that level first we have some really great guys that got let go but we didn't have a winning culture i don't mind clearing everybody out yeah so who who do you think's the biggest name that got let go the biggest name yeah the biggest the biggest name of the guys that we didn't keep around in this sweep of. I would say uh, Brian John Brian. I would say Brian uh, John Murray or Sean King, mainly just because Sean King, um, especially knowing that he was a quarterback at for the uh, for the Buccaneers, so that kind of 
going full circle. So I think that's going to be a big one. Brian John Marie, because the defense was not the problem last year. <laughs> I heard that, that Brian John Marie was um, looking at head coaching opportunities him. elsewhere. It could have just been a random Twitter thing. Yeah, I'm, I have to agree that BJM was probably our biggest loss there. Uh, again, the defense was not the problem last season. It was just the, the offense could not stay on the field long enough to give them any What's sort of break whatsoever. Um, you, you mentioned, Tyler, that it's like, you know, we, we don't have the winning culture right now, which, no, we did not absolutely under the strong era have. But what does it tell you that how many NFL guys over the last week have either on Twitter or made some sort of statement talking about Jeff Scott? And we're talking about some big names like, you know, Sammy Watkins, uh, Hunter Renfro, uh, uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, just to name a few. Like, how how cool is it that we have these guys talking about our program right now? Phil, I think you hit the nail on the head with that one right there, that if there's one thing that you can guarantee, it's that Coach Scott will bring that winning culture that was he helped build at Clemson um, with, Co- with Coach Sweeney. He will definitely be bringing that to USF. Um, and I think that one thing that stood out in his, I, I watched his introductory press conference with you all and where he said I, that this is going to be the best decade in USF football history, that if you'll look back to 2010, um, we, had, we at Clemson had just come off of a, uh, you might as well just say abysmal six and seven year where you guys, you actually beat us in the, uh, beat us in the Meineke Car Care Bowl up in Charlotte. And it the was, most important, <laughs> and uh, yeah, arguably the biggest win in program history. <laughs> so, yeah. hey, 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 we won two Birmingham Bulls. <laughs> this is true. Hey, hey, that that was was a picture there that say. everyone after one year of coach is, is tenure. Everyone was calling for Coach Sweeney's head, saying this guy needs to be uh, needs to be fired. We need to move on. His press conference after that game was where he came out and said, this is going to be the best decade in Clemson football history. And, well, the rest is history. That Coach Scott has that same kind of mentality of that always dreaming of what is to come, always thinking of the success, what is to come. And now, mind you, it's not going to be an overnight success like it it wasn't at Clemson. But he is the type of guy that if he – will be able to build not only a winning team, but a winning culture that will really feed out into the other programs within USF and really just bring the whole, bring the whole university. And as he mentioned in his press conference, the whole town up with the football team. And that's something that USF has struggled with for a very long time. If they're not winning, Tampa doesn't really yep. care. And, and that's really something I was I was, was going to ask is like, what is it like playing under uh, Jeff Scott? Just, just first of all, just like as a player, what what's it like playing for him before we really start getting into like the like overarching culture and all that fun stuff? Yeah, yeah. So, well, to be fair, being <laughs> being a long snapper didn't have quite as much interaction with him as a as a receiver or quarterback or anything like that. But in the times that we would have, uh, that I would basically be learning from him, um, very X's and O, very technical. So he has that side of him, the, as you hear thrown around in college football lore, the mad scientist aspect of him. Um, so you'll definitely be getting that. And then as well as the compassionate side of what you like to see in college football coaches these days and what really the successful ones bring to the table is that they'll be your coach as well as be that father figure to some of the guys who maybe don't have that in their life. So he's going to be able to bring that both 
winning side of on the field, being mastery there, as well as being able to create good men off the field as well. So that's really what I saw the most in Coach Scott um, during my time under him. Um, and I know that he'll be able to bring that as well to USF. Now, it's like um, back when we were working together and, uh, you know, way before we even thought getting poaching the first uh, coordinator from uh, Sweeney since, what, 2014, 2015? Yep. I, I, I noticed, you know, when we would talk, you would have all those quotes on your desk. And I just happened to notice a few of them that, you know, this is the standard, like success. What is it? Success is the standard. Uh, best, or, best, uh, best standard. standard. Yep. So it's like that's pretty much like what would you say it's uh, – well, kind of hard to word this, but it's like how uh, would you would you say those were more Dabo quotes that he's he's learning, or it's like what would you say that Scott's uh, role in was building that culture at Clemson? I think it was maintaining it and upholding the, upholding the standard, and so whether that be that making sure that every the effort on the field and practice and obviously in the game, and one thing to point out, um, and this was across the board, whatever position it was, so Coach Scott as well. I can guarantee you you'll see that if guys ever walk off the field or whether it's in practice or in a game that he will send them back on the field and make them run off the field. That was the rule. It, you can, you can walk on the sidelines, but if you're coming off the field, you're at least going to be jogging off the field. It's those little things that turn into the big things that the best is the standard in whatever you're doing. I bet you as well that you'll see within the next three years that USF will post their highest team GPA in school history that that best is a standard is a mentality for not just football, but how they're going to carry themselves in the classroom, in the streets of Tampa and St. Petersburg, that that's just the mentality that he will look to build within that program to where it's an overarching theme, not just talking about the, what goes on on the field because the mentality that was breeded at Clemson. And I know coach Scott will bring with him is that when you take care of those and master those off the field things, whether that's being a good citizen, being a good student, then the on the field things seem to take care of themselves. So that's something that I think, yeah, I think that's something that USF, especially like the board is going to enjoy a lot considering that academics has really been a massive focus of the school for a long time now, more than the football program significantly. So uh, much to the displeasure of certain people in our fan base. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think hopefully in that regard, he doesn't have too much to do because as much as we did give Charlie crap for his successes on the field, it did seem like he yeah. bred that type of culture. He just wasn't very good at mm -hmm. finding the balance between the two. So hopefully he yeah. won't have to focus on that as much, and maybe he'll um, get to and worry you're, about you're a little more of the right. football. That, that is a hard <laughs> balance to strike that people don't seem to care as much, people being the fans, the media, don't seem to care as much about that off-the-field stuff if the on-the-field stuff isn't, isn't as productive as people would like. But from what I've seen and what I continue to see at Clemson, that contrary to a lot of popular belief, it's that off the field stuff that really paves the way for a foundation of success on the field. Um, oh, I was I was going to say quickly, it, it does seem like if those off, if those things um, off the field are basically taking care of themselves and that's, you know, players that don't want to let down their coaches. And yep. uh, yeah, everything else will uh, slowly come together. Exactly. And I think what, it, for, for me, 
what tells me all I need to know about the guy, at least about his character, uh, is the fact that how many, like, there were two or three assistant coaches for Clemson who came down to be there for his intro press conference. The I've never whole, seen that before. The whole way down to Tampa, we're seeing nothing on Twitter except him and his daughter Savannah, which, like, she looked like she was having the time of her life on the, the private yeah. jet. But it just shows, like, the kind of. <laughs> Family's always been something that's been important to me, so I'm I'm happy when it just it's I'm just happy that we hired a um, such a family fan. Not to say Charlie wasn't, because he absolutely was, but that's just something that is important to me. So I was really happy to see that. And the thing with Coach Scott is, uh, if I'm not sure if you saw, he brought his he brought his dad with him to be basically that main advisory position. Um, that there's a, a man at Clemson. Uh, coach Woody McCorvey, who's basically that for coach Sweeney. Um, so he brought his dad with him down there to be the main advisor to him again, adding to that family theme, wanting to create that family culture. The, we call it at Clemson, the Clemson family, the, the USF family surrounding around the football team. Um, and when with, like you said, with his, uh, with his tweeting and everything, that is one thing that I will say coach Scott brings to the table. He is very, up to date with popular culture, with knowing how to reach out and interact with recruits and to be air quotes, hip with, with communicating. <laughs> exactly. But you run into a lot of these coaches that don't know how to use Twitter. Don't know how to really communicate on the level that a lot of these guys are, are communicating through nowadays. And he's definitely tech savvy in that regard. Um, and was a great recruiter at Clemson. And I know will be a great recruiter down at us. US, yeah, excuse me. USF. Oh, oh my, whoa! <laughs> oh, I did. I didn't he say it. it. I didn't say he it. Caught it. Carl, it's Carl, he caught I'm it. I'm gonna need to cut that out of the entire show, <laughs> and I'm gonna need, uh, I'm gonna need something for my ears. They're bleeding. <laughs> he didn't say the whole thing. Just a mild bleep when he when he starts saying. C. There you go. There you go. But one other thing about Coach Scott, though, and most people don't really know this or don't pay attention to this as much, is that he actually played four years and was a letterman at Clemson um, before starting his coaching career. So in the early 2000s, he was a backup receiver. And then uh, as near and dear to my heart, he was a specialist. He was the starting holder on the field goal team. Um, And he actually was the, uh, he was the holder during the 2000 Clemson Carolina game where we beat South Carolina on a game winning field goal. So as time expired, so he definitely knows how to act under pressure in that regard. Um, and he'll be able to add some, have some uh, special teams um, insight and wisdom with that, with the field goal operations, as well as he was the coach for the punt returners at Clemson. So he'll be able to add some uh, expertise in that area as well. So first, first thought is we know, we know his only <laughs> touchdown. We know his only touchdown was against UCF. We're well aware of that. Oh, that was. <laughs> we found that, that out. You have dug straight through the archives. <laughs> when when we found that, that was Christmas morning. Finding out that our new coach has one touchdown and it's on a uh, fake field goal run where he runs thirty yards untouched against mm-hmm. that school in Orlando. <laughs> You see, you see all their fans saying, "Oh, his knee was down, so it shouldn't have counted." Like, what? What are we talking about? Like, and they, like listen, you're, this, these are the most delusional fans in all of college football. <laughs> we just gotta let them be. 
doing their thing and come out on hate week and just you know rattle their cage a little bit because they're animals uh <laughs> get back 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 to what you were saying though you know our um our last guest last week um uh, you know he mentioned that when uh because he played for both taggart and uh both taggart and strong and mentioned that you know taggart built his program on swagger strong was you know more old-fashioned and he was even telling us that they even they even took away their music pregame, which to me that blew my mind. Yeah. So you you would feel that it would you would say it sounds like you know he's more he's obviously a younger guy, but would definitely uh, you know I'm not necessarily going to use swagger, but you know, I, I exactly I think so. I no, I, I think so, and I mean I think it again would be very similar to the way it was at Clemson that you can have your personality, but at the same time no one person is going to be bigger than the team. And a great representation of that is, and he was very good about this with his receiver group. And it was very rare that this ever happened because guys knew better. But if anybody came out uh, on game day or anything, or even at practice wearing anything that wasn't team issued or uh, their shirt untucked or anything like that, that send them back into the locker room and say, you're going to change and get out of that where team issued stuff, make sure we're all uniform and together. So I think it's that, he can. He definitely has that up to or uh, up to date and uh, hip ways you can let everybody express themselves. But at the same time, it's not. No one person is going to be bigger than the team. All for one and one for all. Exactly. I mean, that's definitely that's one hundred percent something that we need right now as well. It's it's nice having the individuals on the field to make to make things happen, but. And one one thing that was really nice about those old, about the what was it 2015-2016 uh, USF teams is that gen, yeah despite the fact that Q was easily the biggest player on the field it never felt like he was bigger than the rest of the team at the same time yeah he was going to make some special things happen and everyone knew that but it was about it was still about the team not about him and then when charlie strong came in the first year it suddenly it was a little bit more about him obviously he didn't have mac anymore to share the spotlight with but it's still it it wasn't necessarily about the team anymore and you could kind of feel that in the stands as well like the some some of those players cared a little bit more about personal whatever than uh the team as a whole and that's what and then and to feed into that, it's sort of one nice thing I really like about KJ is the fact that he has this massive, massive on-field personality. Uh, he's a he's a big individual out there, like maybe not stature-wise, but as as a personality, as a player, you notice him. Yet it never feels like he's more than the team. Like he's a, he's a team player first and foremost. Everything else just comes afterward. That and he might be our best recruiter right now. <laughs> that too. <laughs> well, and I think part of it is, is I know Willie had more success than Charlie, but I think, I think we've seen both sides of the spectrum. We've seen the ultimate players coach and we've seen the ultimate discipline coach. And I think while both had different positives about them, I think this will be a nice hopefully combination of the two because even when Willie was doing great things there was still that lack of enough discipline you know 
Yeah. To be to be fair, to be fair, Willie's teams were more uh, disciplined than Charlie's teams. Well, that's not saying much. <laughs> I know, but there still is wasn't. It, but, well, there still wasn't consi- enough. Considering just how bad the discipline got with Charlie on the field, that is saying something. But Carl, with how how many how many dumb false starts, dumb holds did we take even on un- even under Taggart? Oh my God! It, oh yeah, no, it was it was bad. But under Charlie, it was like worse than the nation bad. That's a di- that's a different level of bad. Yeah, I think when you're averaging about like 150 like uh, penalty yards a game, I don't even know if I'm exaggerating. That's not the that's, that's not, the not an exaggeration. <laughs> no, I mean I I like I said I went I went through this at one point in time and actually had it figured out. But like because la- last year last year the pen- last year I think USF was either worse than the nation or second worst in the nation for yards given away on penalties uh if you if you average if you average hit all three years i'm pretty sure usf's in the bottom five which if you're going by golf terms we're doing really well well yes but so, unfortunately we're not playing golf well that's so um, usf golf the true the true team but we're getting higher numbers of penalties how is that how does that golf? Listen, buddy, it was a bad <laughs> joke. Get over it. How was that golf? <laughs> so yeah, that um, a philosophy that we had at Clemson, and I'm sure that Coach Scott will bring with him, is that it is so hard to win in Division One college football that no matter how ugly of a win, how poorly we played, that you're going to celebrate that win on Saturday, and then come back, fix the airs on Monday, get back to work. And having seen that, I mean, I'm, you all have seen the videos of dancing in the locker room and everything at Clemson. But what people don't see is that come to Jesus moment on Monday morning in the meetings when everything is comes full circle. So that is what I'm sure you'll see with Coach Scott, that, yes, we're going to have fun when y'all win. When, US, when USF wins, it's going to be a celebration. But then the, with if there are those penalties, if there are those mistakes, that'll all be start be corrected on Monday morning. So that's going back to what we had talked about earlier. It's that balance of being able to celebrate your victories, but not overlook your mistakes. And I think you'll find that with coach Scott. All right, cool. Um, I think that, I want to know more about you, David. Yeah. Um, Cause we did a lot of talking about coach Scott. I think we're all super, super excited about him. I want to know what it's like to be a national champion. Like, what does it feel like? to win the big one a real um, championship <laughs> well yeah, not, we could ask our friends in orlando yeah. but they don't have one yeah so um a little bit about myself uh i walked on or i guess even backing up further than that grew up a lifelong clemson fan both my dad grandpa both my dad and grandpa graduated from clemson um neither played there but both went there and so i grew up in a clemson household um, out of high school, went to a small school, Presbyterian College. It's an FCS school in, in South Carolina. Uh, went there for a semester and redshirted. Transferred to Clemson. Thought I was just going to be a student, not play football. Um, went to a walk-on tryout in the fall of 2013. Didn't really say much, just thanks for coming. So didn't think much of it. Um, fast forward to the spring of 14, still my sophomore year got a call and long story short, I was invited to do a semester long tryout for the football team that spring. Um, so 
did the tryout, played in the spring game, and then Coach Sweeney said I'd made the team. Spent that whole year as a basically a scout team player, got to play one snap against uh, South Carolina State in a blowout on extra point. Um, next year, 2015, was the backup long snapper. We ended up losing to uh, Alabama out in Arizona for the national championship. And then 2016, I was a starter on punts and field goals. Um, and so everything was great. All 15 games start punts and field goals. Um, that everything pretty much went off without a hitch. I like to say as a long snapper, you never want anyone to know who you are because that means you messed up. Um, so thankfully, stayed pretty anonymous that year. Um, but in the national championship game, that 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 was something else. I mean, Tampa really did it up, did it up right. That uh, I, I still remember the nerves that I had because the final drive we had, we had the ball with little over a minute left, I believe. And we thought we were going to have to kick a field goal to tie it. Um, so driving down the field, getting closer and closer. And that's a, that's a snap I've made thousands of times, but still nothing with that kind of pressure. Um, mm-hmm, right. So with a few seconds left, uh, thankfully, we, we called the, is, this is the play called Orange Crush. And that's where Hunter ran the little, uh, <laughs> ran the rub route out to the corner mm-hmm. of the end zone. And we caught the touchdown to win the game. And we were all celebrating on the sidelines. We almost forgot we had to go kick the extra point. So <laughs> it, it was like the it was like the pressure of the world was lifted off your shoulders. But uh go out, kick the extra point, and then pretty much the party was on. So it guys, it really is hard to put into words just growing up a Clemson fan, being able to play, uh, and then going and be able to win the national championship, be able to put that into words is still something I struggle to do, but just so grateful that coach Sweeney believed in me and took a chance on me um, and let me live out my dream of playing for the Tigers. So that it's, it's something that I will always, always cherish. That's truly, truly incredible. I can't even imagine you're, you come, you come from a, 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 as a junior, as a, as a transfer student, you don't even know you're going to be playing. You end up winning a national championship. That's incredible, man. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's one of those where that I just consider myself very lucky that uh, it's well, as Coach Sweeney used to say to us all the time that always be ready for your opportunity. You never know what's going to come. Just always be ready for when that for when your number does get called. And so that's just the mindset that I tried to carry throughout the year throughout my time at Clemson. And really, a lot of my teammates did the same. And I think that's why we have always, we have been able to be so successful over the past few years. It's just that always next man up, always ready mentality. That's great. Um, wondering if I have any more questions about the national title run. Um, well, okay. Yeah. So as a long, as a long snapper, you guys don't really get a ton of the credit, but you are a huge reason that points are scored. If, uh, if your snaps aren't perfect, a lot of field goals don't get don't get uh don't get kicked through the uprights. A lot of punts are are screwed up. Um, I was listening to the to the Pat McAfee show this week, <laughs> yeah. and they were talking about they were talking about long snappers, and uh, they mentioned uh, my personal favorite long snapper of all time, Zach Diossi, uh New York Giants forever. Um, he's been there. Just wondering who, who do you model your game after any uh. Any long snappers in the NFL, or, or did you just find a rhythm? Um, how do you become a long snapper in in college as a walk on? Yeah, so the, I 
I really never modeled myself, I guess you could say, after one person. Um, but the way I, my path kind of took up was that in high school, actually, it started. I, I played center, and then I, I went to a very small private school where football started there my freshman year. So it was pretty much all hands on deck, all, all 20 of us that played. Um, and my coach asked me if I knew how to long snap or punts. And at the time, I didn't, but I ended up getting thrown into the role. So started practicing at it, getting better. And then the summer before my senior year, I went to a camp. There's actually long, pure long snapping camps around the country. And there's about two or three I went to. It's called Rubio Long Snapping. Um, went to a camp up in Charlotte and then actually went out to uh, went out to Vegas that spring for a, for a long. I know you're going to laugh, but a long snapping tournament. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. I okay, so that what, what happens in a long, what happens in a long step? Yeah. Turn? So it's pretty, okay. I'm just as, as a fan of like big 10 and big 10 punting and all that, this intrigues me greatly that this is a thing. Oh yeah. So it's, <laughs> so it's, you're, you're basically measured on, um, speed of your snap, accuracy of your snap, and then your actual speed. So it's, it's you got like two days of practice and then one one day of actual competition and then they throw it into a metric system and you get scored through that. Um, so out of like 200 people, I was 61st. So nothing great, but at the same time, like I, I knew that I was like, okay, I, I was proud of what I did, but I knew I could do better. Um, but anyways, went to, went to Presbyterian, uh, enjoyed my time there, but at the same time knew my heart was at Clemson, even if football was behind me. So just thankful it all worked out when I got to move on to there. But you're talking about, though, the integral part that a long snapper plays. You're so right that people don't realize just how seamless of a process it has to be for a field goal to get off without being blocked. Um, that we would always shoot for from the time the ball is snapped to the time it's kicked, it should be 1.25 seconds. And that's an ideal situation, but 1.3 is kind of your breaking point because it's generally accepted that over 1.3, it's going to get blocked. Can you be rated coming out of high school as a long snapper? What was that? Can you be rated like I'm a three-star long snapper or I'm a oh, five-star long snapper? It's yes, but it's kind of your own. It's it's separate from the ratings that you're used to seeing, like with the, the signing day rate in like ESPN.com. Usually the way you see a long snapper rated, it would be through through Rubio or through uh, Cole's kicking. Those two pretty much uh, main rankings of, of your kickers and long snappers. Nice. Hmm. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, very, very rarely do you see guys get a full scholarship right out of high school for special teams. And being someone that yeah. played it, I, I really think that it's better to go about bring someone in as a preferred walk-on. That'd be kicker, long snapper, or punter. Bring someone in as a preferred walk-on and let them earn the scholarship once they're the starter. I've just seen it too many times, just all over, where I think bringing someone in on full scholarship puts them under a lot of unnecessary pressure. That And kicking, long snapping, any of it is such a head game that you can be lights out, when you're at a camp without pads on anything like that. But even at practice, when you're in front of the head coach, that it's a whole different ball game and people that maybe you're able to perform lights out in a camp struggle to do so under that same pressure in practice or in a game. So I think it's a lot more beneficial to go the preferred walk on route 
and then let that person earn their scholarship. Looks at the bucks. What? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hey, you know what? The Bucks respect special teams. Didn't they draft a kicker in the second round a few years ago? Yeah. Yes, and then he couldn't handle the pressure, and he sucked. Uh, that's pretty <laughs> I think that was the point. Interesting, though, um, my high school, the only person to ever go and play professional sports and have any real success was the Bucks long snapper oh, wow. when they won the Super Bowl. And he's actually huh. come back and coach our football team. Since okay. then, um, Ryan Benjamin, I'm sure he doesn't even know that this podcast exists, but he, he's, um, he's actually come back and turned our high school football team that was basically winless for a long time. They're actually making like, you know, we're in Pasco County, so the, we don't have any real great teams out here, but they're making the playoffs consistently. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's just, he was a real, he was real cool. A couple times I got to talk to him because he... He took the football job my senior year of high school, so I didn't really get to talk to him much. But he seemed like a real cool I, guy. Speaking too. one <laughs> thing, fact, one yeah. thing that it's just funny is I got a notification on my phone as we're talking that uh, Coach Scott seems to already be buying into the uh, to the local Tampa Bay uh, getting getting into the Tampa Bay fever that he just tweeted about the the Lightning winning. So uh, he's already already buying into it to the Tampa Bay sports. Oh, good. At least we won. I'm just relieved that we've won right now. Oh, God. There has been a big Team Tampa Bay movement within, like, the last year or two, though. Like, they're really starting to make that a thing. So, it's good that he's coming at this time, too. To help I agree. Kind of and help with that and Team Tampa that, Bay movement. He really movement. has gone about the right way. He's been, at, he's been all over the place in Tampa so far. And it's it's really great to see because... I don't remember anything like that when Charlie got here. It, it's, uh, it, it really does feel like there's been a change almost overnight with the uh, culture, at least. Obviously, you need to get some wins at some point yeah. in time, but during the offseason, during the offseason, well, everything about- has been the right move so far. Well, yeah, and talk about making the most of his time. I mean, what, he's been here for... He's got, all like, what, 10 days to do what he needs to do yeah, and then been, go back to Clemson? Yeah, he's been here he all of, what, three there? hours? I mean, man, it's killing to it be fair, so far. Kind of, like, still in that honeymoon period and anything after Charlie Strong the past three years is going to look super great. <laughs> this is true. He, so, yes, it's, it's, it's good and he's doing the PR part correct, but, I mean... It doesn't matter how look how good you look if you don't perform on the field. So I will reserve my judgments until at least seeing something from uh, spring nah, football. I'm gonna be all in until until he screws up. And <laughs> yeah, I yeah. mean, it's I, just, I, I like it. I, I like it. Right now, and so. I like what he's doing so far. I like kind of the the change of morale. But it's kind of like that, like in in soccer, when you get a new head coach and you start going on a run a little bit, it's that honeymoon period, and then everything comes crashing down. And it's like, all right, back to earth now. Well, and that's something that looks at Man United. That, <laughs> that's something that we used to always uh, it was preached to us at Clemson. It was understood truth, kind of what you were just saying, that you can be friends with where the coaches, players, what have you. But at the end of the day, college football has turned into a show business. And if you're not showing out that somebody's going to replace you. So that's completely uh, acceptable kind of mentality to have that yeah that it's great to have these being being outward and being a good person in the community but at the end of the day that people want to see the results and that's what 
that's what college football has become. So I completely understand that. I want to transition real quick. Uh, the early signing periods for uh, our, our class of 2020 uh, is tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any <clears throat> anything to say to recruits who are confused or wondering about uh, this coaching change? Who were previously committed or are thinking about? You know, they're they're in like a, a flux right now. They just lost guys that they were talking to for probably a year um and now they have this whole new regime what would you say to convince them to come to usf i would say that buy in and trust the process that you've obviously seen that coach scott is capable of winning at the highest level and being able to take recruits and being able to make them into nfl caliber players that if i mean you look at what he's done with his receiving core and what he's transformed into like Phil, you were saying earlier, all of the NFL players that are talking about him and saying what a great hire he has been for USF. I think it's those guys that yes, it is a uncertainty period right now where you don't know what's going to happen, but he is a man of his word. That's what he always was to us. That's what he will be at USF and just being able to, as we say, Clemson trust the process that it might, it's, it's not going to happen overnight. There will be your, your learning curve and your bumps along the way, but that he, if you want the best chance, if you thought USF was the best chance of you to be able to succeed in college and set you up for success afterwards, you will only get that and more by continuing in your commitment to USF and coming to play for Coach Scott. Trust the process. Oh, Christ <laughs> almighty, Phil. <laughs> Uh, thank, thank you for, thank you for that. <laughs> I, I take there's a little inside uh, joke here. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, so Phil's a little okay, too so trusted you know sometimes. At Sabers, you know. Okay, now they suck. They suck. At so Phil. Philadelphia, the 76ers basically invented the trust the process movement, yep. right? Um, that that was what like 2016, 2015. Um, the Buffalo Bills ripped it off. And then no, they we're, we're respect, went to a playoff game. Class, respect, respect, respect the process, too. Right. Tomatoes, no, tomatoes, none of us so. did that because the Bills um, are hilariously bad. <clears throat> I'm sorry, Mr. Bears. Bad. Listen. Listen. Well, I mean, All that's happened you. is we got a Freaky Friday situation. <laughs> Cincinnati Bengals are now the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills are Cincinnati Bengals. They're going to make it to the playoffs and get knocked out in the first round again. Didn't you just lose to the Falcons? Listen. We're undefeated, never lost in this week. <laughs> Quality, Quality losses, losses yeah. Losses. David, who's, uh, what's your NFL team? That honestly, I do not have one. That I follow. Interesting. I follow the. I, I follow the teams that have Clemson guys. So obviously the Texans. Been following the Raiders this year. But after I, I worked for the Bucks last season um, in their corporate partnerships department. So I guess you could say I, I, I take that back. I, I still am a big, big Bucks fan. They, they bought me in last year. And so it's been fun seeing them being on the uh, successful side of things toward, towards the back end of this season. I mean, really, I don't see why they can't win out the last two games. Mostly because Jameis just doesn't stop throwing picks. <laughs> Yeah, but he's he's he he reminds me so much of Favre as a Packers fan. 
now living here. It is they're very similar, at least in my mind. And I don't know if Jameis will end up having as long a career as far or as successful of a career as far, but they they have that same gunslinger throw it everywhere without any thoughts of the consequence mentality. Speaking of, speaking about uh, the Clemson um, locker room and all that, what's it like to to be in the huddle or, or in a locker room with Deshaun Watson? That you would not know that he is as big of a star as he is. Talk about a soft-spoken, humble guy that – it's funny. They used to, Some of the guys would want him to be more vocal – and kind of be more rah-rah, but that's just not him, and that wasn't who he was. Um, and somebody that was calm, completely calm under pressure, that uh, obviously I wasn't in the huddle when they went out on the field because I was didn't play offense, um, but right. that everyone has said, and he did say, that uh, when we took the field to make that game-winning drive to beat Alabama in 2016, down at Raymond James, that he said, guys, take a deep breath. We got this. Let's go get it. And so just that kind of calmness, poise under pressure that, I mean, that's why he's been able to be so successful in college and then now in the NFL. And I know I'm a little bit biased, but the Heisman Trophy will forever be tainted in my eyes that he he didn't get it. He got snubbed out of it in 2016, um, especially today, seeing that Sporting News came out and the year of the decade it's like how, how do you name the college football player of the decade when he didn't win the heisman or how how does he get passed over for the heisman if he's the college football player of the decade to be completely fair he was going up against lamar jackson that's true let's also let's also remember that uh chuba hubbard the best running back in the country right now is wasn't even invited to new york yeah it's all it's all smoke and mirrors. Well, the fact that the Heisman is pretty much given away by the midpoint of the season, and at least it has been the past three years, that the media pretty much settles that early on. And no matter what happens, because Lamar tailed off the rest of that year. And I think it's ridiculous that the Heisman isn't given out until after the national championship game. But that's that's neither here nor there. <laughs> See, I feel I feel the same way because we had all these rush in 2016. We had some of the best Russian quarterbacks to ever play the game lamar jackson deshaun watson quentin flowers um (laughs) we might be biased there (laughs) i love q but he's not in that conversation i had to i had to squeeze him in there um (laughs) good i knew you were going to (laughs) i'm just we love love you on the show q can we appreciate though the that the remember a couple years ago we had this shot, a legitimate shot at this five-star recruit named Ray Ray McLeod, and now our head coach is the guy who, who took him to Clemson. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Please, yeah. For, and, I mean, what's the, the fun part about Ray Ray McLeod is that when the Bills were getting ready to play the Ravens, he was so athletic and on the practice squad that they used him to to be, be Lamar, Lamar so the defense <laughs> yeah. could get, yes, so the defense could be ready to, you know, face somebody that athletic. And so yeah, if um if Jeff Scott wants to bring someone like Ray Ray to Tampa, I, I will I wouldn't be opposed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, can we get a, a high-profile uh, potential wide receiver who can catch every ball that he's given? Uh, you know, from, while, uh, okay, while we're talking about personnel quickly, um, we, did we all see the, the uh, news, the transfer news today? Yep. For those who don't, who don't know what's going on, um, USF picked up UNC quarterback transfer, pro-style quarterback. I'm trying to pull his name up here. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, UNC quarterback Cade Fortin uh, announced that he's transferring to USF. For he's got a little wiggle. Yeah. yeah. The first thing I saw of it was KJ Sales saying, "There's going to be more." Yeah, Tyler. KJ My, Sales, I think, is our best receiver. Out of the blue, out of the Tyler, complete blue, uh, out of the powder blue, the Carolina blue. Boo. Uh, yes, it is. Um, the first, the first thing, well, the first thing that I noticed is pro style and that immediately sort of started raising, raise a red flag for me. Cause it's like, did you, did you watch the video? I didn't, I did not. Um, he can move. Danny, he all can right. Move. All right. Yeah. He can move. Yeah. He, they ran in the video cause it was a highlight video of the two games that he played. Right. Um, and I think there are at least three or four read options where he took off 10 plus. He's not the fastest and he doesn't have the biggest jukes, but he, he is can he more right. similar. Is, is he, he more similar to a Blake Barnett type quarterback? No. Okay. No, no, he's, he's faster than Blake, at least on the eye test. He looks faster than Blake. Okay. So he's 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 more he's of a McLeod. Maybe more of a Matt Grothy. Uh, yeah, you knew that was where my mind was going. But, but uh, um, big shout out Commentators describe him as sneaky athletic. <laughs> <laughs> a real gym rat. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> a real gym rat. <laughs> Go for all those. You know. But yeah, I mean, he has, he had moved. He, he could move. I mean, he, and he was, you know, they had him moving around the pocket and, the the two guys, him and then the guy that we just offered, they look very similar. And it's clear that he's going for a certain type of quarterback, a pro style, but has the ability to escape danger. When well, we also needed to bring in a quarterback now that we officially lost uh, lost Tate. Yeah. Yes, that I, that I'll agree with. And the he has three years of eligibility remaining, so that doesn't suck. Isn't he mm-hmm. immediately eligible as well? No. Yes, yes, he is. Yeah. So that Tate means, was pro style too, right? I think from based on the little bit of he, film I, I've seen on both, I, I would say this guy's a little bit more athletic, though. Which, as Brooks mentioned yeah, last week, Tate was a little more stand-up. As Brooks mentioned, we need you. It's hard to win in the state of Florida when you uh, when you have that guy who's going to try to sit in the pocket because that's just not how you win in the state. Well, that's exactly what I was just thinking. Is the fact that he's going to need to be able to move around because, again, like Brooks said. Are the linemen that you get in Florida are not they're not the ones that are going to be sitting there standing up strong like uh like your Wisconsin types they we're agile we, we 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 build them differently down here and that's and we're going to need a quarterback thing that can deal with the fact that uh, his line is more mobile than it is uh, upright strong yeah we're pub sub raised not corn fed pub Correct. sub raised ah uh, that's what a quote. I, I do want to know, though, so 
not too many programs, at least from what I've seen, have co-offensive coordinators. What would you say uh, Scott's role was in the offense, whether it be the play calling or whatnot, and how much of Clemson's offensive success would you say was due to Jeff Scott? Yeah, so his Coach Scott's role in the in the in the offense, um, from what I saw and what I understood as a special teams player, that Coach Scott was on the field with the receivers. He was there, the kind of boots on the ground aspect. Where Coach Elliott, who is now the sole offensive coordinator at Clemson, he was up in the booth. So that kind of that the way I understood it was that it was a dual perspective of what Coach Scott was seeing on the field, Coach Elliott saw in the booth that was all channeled into the play calling. And then coach Sweeney had the final yay or nay of what was going to be called and what was going to be run. Interesting. Hmm. I like that a lot. I like the fact that Jeff Scott's the guy, the guy on the ground, because it's like, that's what we need right now. Yeah, exactly. That definitely has the potential right there that he can, he can see if someone's doing the little things wrong and get that corrected immediately because God knows we need that right now. It's, it's, it's exciting. I mean, I've never, obviously I was, I was excited when, you know, Charlie Strong had his press conference, but Scott had everybody at every word he said at that introductory press conference. I don't know, but I, I think, I think, I think we managed to run football into the ground for the week. Um, uh, all right. Do you want to cover, is it, did anything happen in basketball? <laughs> Uh, well, we, we're all of our wins. sports are undefeated since we hired <laughs> Scott. Coincidence? I think there not. you go. So, all right. So let's <laughs> let's talk let's talk basketball then. Um, we'll start with the uh, we'll start with the women this week. Um, Seventy or sorry, sixty-seven, sixty-four over over Idaho. Not an encouraging game in any stretch. They needed a last-second basket and defensive stop to win, but. Uh, a win's a win. Wins win. Wins a win. Seventy-six percent from the free throw line versus uh, twelve turnovers. So, not the typical mark of a of a Jose team. But to be fair, they also just lost two of their best players to injury because, of course, they did. I heard that the outside shooting was horrendous. All right, let's look at the outside shooting. They shot six for twenty-four from behind the arc. Oh, 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 that hurts. Carl, something I want you to do. But something I want you to do uh, at the end of season one when we're in our off season, I can do this with you. Is let's go through and find all the dumb noises you make. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, agree. Because there's yeah. one per show minimum. Yeah. It's just like so, a screech or like a moan. It's weird and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> So while they went six for twenty-four, right. though Maria Alvarez four for seven, and she was also named to the uh, AAC uh, honor roll this week. Well, Maria Alvarez went off right at the end of the game. She was basically without a bucket for pretty much the entire game, and then almost single-handedly led the comeback that ended up winning it for USF. Glad that she showed up. In she, so she showed up when it counted, but oh boy, we need her throughout the rest of the game to not give us heart attacks like that later in the game later in the season. Well, guess who? Guess who? Got to adjust to the end. Guess who's next up? Mississippi State. Yeah, that's gonna. That might be our first loss in the Jeff Scott era. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not too much we can do about there. So they play 
They play Mississippi State on Thursday, then either Virginia or UNLV on Saturday. They are in the Las Vegas desert. Would be interesting to see uh, UNLV in LV. Yeah, it would be. So, uh, oh, so that'll so that will be it. Did you not know that's what UNLV no, was? I, I knew. I just okay. So I had an epiphany that I really want to go to Vegas. <laughs> Yeah. I was like, that would be it's a nice. good excuse to go, but I didn't mean to outwardly make like a noise. I think you have me beat for weird noise of the week now. But, so, anyway, so so the women, uh, that'll be it before Christmas. They uh, get a couple days off for that. Uh, one more game after Virginia or UNLV, and then it's time to uh, go into conference play. Uh, they uh, they looked a little uh, upset after a slow first half against Drexel. It was one of those games where uh, I actually got to watch this one. They were um, it seemed like they were just every time they were about to really put the game out of reach. Drexel would go on this run, uh, 35, 33 at the half, and then then an eighty one sixty one win to uh, uh, in front of a crowd of. Uh, uh, 4,480, so attendance is slowly starting to go up for the men's games. Good. They deserve it. And now, considering this is like winter break. Yep. Okay, you are not going to believe me because I still do not believe the stat. I already don't believe you. Eight turnovers. Hey, that's improvement. That's astonishing. There's, yeah, nice. there's a reason. That we won by twenty points. Sixty nine percent from the from the uh, charity strike. Nice, but eighty six percent in the second half. They went thirteen of fifteen in the second half. So they need to get that together. But yeah, you know that gives me a little bit of a uh, little bit of hope. The conference game that free throws can actually be able to make some. But yeah, so I uh, also uh, worthy of noting that David Collins scored his thousandth point for. Uh, his USF career and is also named to the AAC honor roll. Cool, cool, cool. Um, anything out? Anything? Are we missing any news that came out? Honestly, or anything? I think it's just a short week. Uh, a few, a few things came out. Uh, uh, Javain Brown actually got invited to the uh, Adidas MLS College Showcase. He's one of just sixteen players with remaining eligibility to be invited to that. So that's a good look for him. Uh, more accolades for Hawks' daughter and the ends because I guess they didn't have enough already. <laughs> they're I now on. they're now first team all region scholar athletes named by United coaches. So congratulations to them. Uh, not this is the point where I pretend to be shocked. And then uh, both today, uh, baseball and softball schedules came out. Ken Erickson for softball, like usual, loaded his schedule of games with Michigan, Florida, Oklahoma State, Alabama, Texas Tech, UCLA, Tennessee, Rutgers, Syracuse, and ay ay ay. So that team's going to be very battle tested uh, this year. Baseball, they have a three game series with Florida, so that's the first time they've had that in a couple of years. So that's going to be a big test. They play Miami, and then the Carl Cup against Northwestern. Woo! No one understands that reference. That's not in our fantasy league. 
Well, it means finally, something congratulations, else there, Juan, for winning the Carl Cup, aka Hooray. last place. Yeah, hey, you, you suck. suck. <laughs> you suck. You suck. Nobody needs it. We don't need to subject anyone to torture. <laughs> Listen. Listen. Yeah. You had a bad team. Had a bad year. Just a bad year. Does, do they also brag, Defend Juan's team here. I think he ended up with the third most points in the league and ended up only having three wins on the year. Okay, somehow. but whose fault is that? So to put defense, still wants. Uh, that's also that's the that's bad luck, dude. <laughs> I Justin I call it collusion. True. Justin's in the championship. True. I'm and fine. He's I'm fine with calling it collusion. Collusion, it is. Hey, you know what? No, I think Juan is just a bitch. I got second. I got oh. second. Oof. That was the only curse word on the show so far. Listen, Carl. I know. Oh, you know this yeah, I'm going to cut it out. Listen, Carl. <laughs> you, should, uh. you should open the entire show with, one's a bitch. <laughs> and then you don't even hear it from one until like, <laughs> until like 9.30. <laughs> no one understands. Cold uh. open, one's a bitch. Um, I think, all right, I think we're done here. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, the schedule's coming out. That's, uh, that's all I've got. All right. <clears throat> I want and wine sucks at fantasy football. All right, I want to I want to thank uh, David Estes for joining us um, on this episode of the Bullseye Podcast. It was great having you, man. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, guys, thank you so much for having me, and good luck this season. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Oh, Appreciate thanks, man. Yeah, Come back thanks. whenever you want to talk <laughs> long snapping or football in general. Um, <laughs> it's it's uh, this is gonna be a good show. Um, I hope everyone had a fun time. Uh, join us next week for our end of the year edition. Never. It's like the last episode end before we go on a short break here. End of the Not decade. Wrong. Um, end of the decade. <laughs> uh, we're going to be having uh, a fun surprise guest that everyone on Twitter knows. Um, and maybe his dog. <laughs> Theoretically. Um, we'll get him to so, wear his best suit. Yeah, so that so that's it. Um, have a good uh, have a good rest of the week. So long and okay, go, bye. Bulls. go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Juan is terrible at fantasy. Vamos todos. But I didn't win. Gotta leave that last part in. Gotta leave the last the comeback in. I know you're gonna want to cut it since you're the one editing. <laughs> but you have to leave it. <laughs> hey guys, this is Ryan. Um, it's super late right now. I just finished editing the show for this week. Um, I wanted to thank David SDs for uh, joining us on the podcast. Um, I'm sorry this isn't uh, coming out on Thursday like it should have, um, it's just been hell at work for everybody, um, but make sure you follow, uh, David Estes on Twitter, at capital D underscore Estes, E-S-T-E-S, 93, um, we forgot to add that into the original recording, um, um, you can also follow us on Twitter, uh, at BullseyeCast um, for all the latest updates pertaining to the show and what we're up to. 
Um, we also have a YouTube channel, which um, needs some like and support, guys. Uh, not getting a ton of views and stuff over there, so make sure you go check out um, our YouTube channel for uh, recordings of the show. But um, starting next year, I'm thinking about putting up some uh, other content in there. <clears throat> also, um, for the holiday episode uh, this year, um, I teased a special guest during this episode. Um, that's going to be Heath from Twitter. Everybody knows Heath. Um, and maybe his dog Pippa uh, will be joining us, and that'd be super, super rad. Um, so definitely give him some love. <sighs> That's it. I'm trying not to wake anybody up in the, in the apartment. Um, so long and go both.